Fontana rolling out the right, looking toward the end zone, throwing under pressure, throws his pass. Caught by Clark. Clark got a touchdown. Troy Clark has it. It's a touchdown for the 49ers. You're now listening to the 4th and Gold Podcast with Javi and Matt. Welcome to the 4th and Gold Podcast. We are back with another episode. Post-game analysis, our thoughts on our 49ers win yesterday. Niners did beat the Cowboys 17-9. to Wasn't much going on, but uh, Matt... How do you feel about game one? Man, we survived. We survived. Injuries were kind of minimal. We'll get into that a little bit. But the first game's over with, you know, and everybody in their hyperbole is in midseason form already. The hot takes mm-hmm. are rolling in left and right. I love it. Man, I'm just I'm just ready for the next game when we're actually going to see some of the uh, starters because it seemed like they sat like 70% of the guys that are going to be on the 53-man roster. Yeah, no doubt. You can find the 4th and Gold podcast on all podcast platforms, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Um, you know, touch, touching on that, yes, the Niners sat 31 guys yesterday and then had a couple injuries during the game. We'll get into those here in a second. Um, overall, the Niners played what we would expect a a first preseason game to be. It was pretty boring. Sloppy. Watching that game. Very sloppy. Um, but that's what preseason's for, and we will hopefully see a lot of things cleaned up by the next time we see him on the field against the Broncos. Um, yeah, so the, the the penalties, man, they were there's so many. I don't I don't have the numbers in front of me, but there were so many penalties. There was pre snap penalties. There was holding penalties on back to back plays, and just putting the offense in a, in a situation where they can't do anything. You know, it's it's the, second and thirty one. What are you gonna do? Yeah, the penalties are concerning because. It's it's backup guys mostly, mm-hmm. but it's still you know it's still it's still an issue. We had 18 penalties last night for 216 yards Holy or something shit. like that. That was a total. So 18 to five as far as penalties go, and a lot of them were those holding Paul calls, um, a couple dumb personal fouls, roughing the roughing the passer for on Greenlaw. Mm-hmm. Then you had the Colbert um, where he got ejected. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a couple other you know big big chunk penalties. The pass interference on Dante Johnson, which wasn't pass interference. Correct. Um, those things add up. The Niners got to clean those things up. But you know, being who was out in the field, um, none of them are really starters for for the Niners, except possibly Drake Greenlaw at, when with, who had committed penalties. Yeah, you know, y- you expect to see a lot of this stuff from the backup guys, but at the same time, you want to see them clean up. They're fighting for a roster spot, and you know, holding penalties, you know, pass interference penalties. It, Illegal contact, all that stuff adds up. Because, I mean, the illegal contact, it wasn't really illegal contact, um, you know, wiped away a turnover. You know, they sack the quarterback, quarterback fumbles, they recover, but -hmm. it's wiped away by an illegal contact penalty, which I don't, it wasn't. Because, you know, the refs are also first preseason game. These guys haven't had a chance to get on the field and throw the flags for a little while. So it's it's, it's a tune-up for them to, I expect the 49ers to clean it up very well moving forward. And uh, yeah, it's they won't they won't survive the season if, if they're going to do 18 penalties for over 200 yards every game. Yeah, no one's going to be able to survive that. And hopefully they clean that up. And you know the Niners have had the pre-snap penalties be a, an issue even for their starters, so it does need to get cleaned up from the starters all the way down. Um, you know, outside of the penalties, I thought I thought the next biggest issue was was injuries. We we Niners lose their swing tackle Sean Coleman. Um. And then during the game, we hear about Trent Taylor's injury. Uh, mm-hmm. Where do we where do we stand on these injuries piling up now? Well, I mean, when we did our fifty three man projection, neither one of us had Sean Coleman on the team. Both of us yeah. had Justin School stepping in, winning the swing tackle position. And now, from what it sounds like, the team was kind of banking on Sean Coleman. 
You know, he's on the team last year, but he never suited mm-hmm. up once. He was he was one of the seven guys that's inactive every game. So I, I'm not exactly sure what they expected from him. He came with, you know, they traded a seventh round pick to get him from the Browns. You know, he he dislocated his his ankle and he broke his fibula. I mean, that's it's not yeah, great, Bob. Over. That he, his season's done. He's on IR. If they haven't already made the move, they're going to make it soon. And then the Trent Taylor injury. I mean, that that was a bombshell from John Lynch. So he dropped that when he joined Greg Papa and Tim Ryan in the booth. And we're thinking, oh, Trent Taylor's not playing, not a big deal, to, kind of to be expected, like the rest of the you know 30 other players who weren't suiting up. But the Trent Taylor injury is, oof. man, you hate to see it because he spent all last year hurt, and then he just, by all, by all accounts, training camp had been going swimmingly for him. Man, it, it, it kind of sucks to see that happen. But the, the timetable for his return, four to six weeks. So they should see him back week one, week two, week three, somewhere in there. Um, but that opens up some pretty good opportunities for some other guys that were fighting for roster spots too. Yeah, and then, you know, with the Trent Taylor injury and, and the Sean Coleman injury, um, you know, you see a lot of folks on online talking about, you know, the, the something's going on in Santa Clara, Santa Clara with all these injuries. But you really can't control breaks. You know, mm-hmm. people are going to break their bones. There's not much um, the strength and conditioning staff can do to help your bones be stronger, mm-hmm. you know. Sean Coleman, he broke his ankle or dislocated his ankle and broke his fibula. Guys break their legs all the time. Yeah. Coleman got rolled up on like Bosa did. <clears throat> yeah. So it's, it's football. It happens. <clears throat> That's nothing a training staff can take care of. And as far as Trent Taylor, the word out of camp was Traverius Moore stepped on his foot. And that's that's what happened. Um, you know, this is more like a freak accident type thing than mm-hmm. a training staff type thing. You, you know, I, if it was soft tissue injuries piling up, then I would have a concern. But it's it's being bones and, um, yeah, breaking your foot or breaking your toe. I th- what, no one really, I haven't really had any clarification on it. Is it is a, it's a Jones fracture, a stress fracture, or did he break his toe? I think it was that's, his pinky um, toe. I think it's his pinky toe he broke, and he had to have surgery to have put a screw put in. So okay. the world's smallest screw, because you know Trent Taylor wears like a size nine shoe. Like there's yeah, no way he's got big feet. So, eight and a half, nine. <laughs> so, so you know they got like the world's tiniest screw they got to put in his pinky toe to get. But he'll come back and he'll be he'll be full strength. He'll be ready to go. You know, it might take him a little bit of time to get in. And you know, this kind of parlays right into you know his replacement, and that's Richie James. And I know yeah. we kind of have differing opinions on how Richie played last night, so I'll let you lead it off. Well, with Richie James, I don't, I didn't see anything to where, you know, to, to draw this much slander all over the internet. I don't think he played terrible. Yes, he fumbled on his first reception. You know, the ground caused that fumble. You know, a lot. Of, some folks are, you know, he didn't break any tackles. You kind of have the, you have to have the opportunity to break some tackles or have some space to do so. You know, he had his first screen pass. Is a block was missed on Jordan Lewis. He gets hit in the backfield. Um, you know he made. What do you have? Six receptions for thirty-one yards, or something like that. Thirty-four, I think. Um, Thirty-four yeah. yards. It is what it is. You know, this is. He's fighting for a spot on the roster, and he did. He held his own. Um, yeah, six for thirty-one. Twelve being his longest. His reception. You know, I don't. I don't foresee Richie James being a starter, but I did foresee him making this roster. And if you know Trent Taylor's out, then you know that position is open for him to make that make the team because he does give you the special teams flexibility and then the slot or X or Z receiver in a pinch. But uh, we saw that we may not need that from Richie James going forward because of Debo and Hurd, but we'll talk about them in a little bit. Yeah, Richie James, he was just remarkably average for me. And, you know, he's going up against you, he's going up against mostly backups. You expect him to to do more. Six catches for 31 yards. I don't know I said 34, but 31, it doesn't, I mean, either way, that number's not impressive. And, yeah. And, you know, I I get it. You're saying, like, you know, you got to be given an opportunity to break tackles. The screen pass, he had at least a little bit of wiggle room where he should have shook that defender and made some yards after catch. Um, the first play, I mean, Shanahan's offense was super vanilla last night, and it's to be expected. They're not trying to tip their hand on anything. But that first play from scrimmage where they – they drew it up to get Richie James wide open in space and just he can't hold on to the ball. And that's just not a good look. I I still think with Trent Taylor's injury, I'm kind of shifting towards that he probably does make the team, at least initially, until they got to make a move with the roster numbers. Yeah. Um, But, man, he was just remarkably average for me. And it wasn't I – I don't have him – 
is a stock up, stock down kind of guy. I, I think he's yeah. just I, he's right where he was. I think he is who we thought he was, and I don't think he's like this big explosive player that everybody kind of built him up to be. Yeah, I think. Um, I guess my expectations aren't aren't so high because he's a seventh round pick. You right. know what I mean, like I'm not. I'm not here to say he's going to be wide receiver one, two, or three. I'm saying he's he's on the team for for a couple different reasons, and that because he can play slot, he can play multiple wide receiver spots, and he can provide special teams assistance. Um, but you know, like you said, it's remarkably average for yesterday's game, and that's to me that was kind of what I expected. I didn't I didn't expect him to go off for like ten receptions and 150 yards, but mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'll agree. There's a couple of plays where he could have. He had some room to make a move and, and go. Um, but, you know, from outside of Hurd and Debo, everyone was pretty average on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and that's, you know, you, you had Hurd and Debo uh, playing against a bunch of backups too. So they, you know, that may have inflated their numbers. You know, we don't know what they are just yet, but they did show that they will stand out amongst um, some better talent. So I, I think... I think Richie James may make the roster because of the injury to Trent Taylor, but we we're looking at something where um, come time Taylor to come back, we may not see Richie James on this team. Yep, I'm right there with you. I think that's exactly what it is. Um, and then, you know, we can we can kind of shift from the guy catching the ball to the guys throwing the ball. And Oh, God. Man, I'll tell you what. Nick Mullins looked infinitely better than C.J. Beather did. And I think it's his spot. Number two, like he got the ball first. So that says a lot because, you know, they're coming in. No Jimmy Garoppolo. Who's going to who's going to be the first guy with first team touches? And it's Nick Mullins. And he came in. He actually played all right. He didn't play great. He didn't wasn't world beating, but he wasn't bad. C.J. Beathard was bad. And there's a there's a couple plays where, you know, Beathard made some some good throws, but he should have like three passes intercepted. And they just like bounced off dude's chest and like. Starter starter level players make those plays, and those are immediate yeah. turnovers. And we're seeing the same thing we've always seen from Beathard. He just he doesn't process everything fast enough. Yeah. So with Nick Mullins, Nick Nick was eleven for seventeen, one hundred five, one touchdown, one pick, and a rating of seventy six point eight. CJ was uh, thirteen to seventeen, one forty one, one touchdown, one interception, and a ninety five point five rating. Uh, my thing with CJ, you're playing against third, fourth string guys, and mm-hmm who had a hard time moving the ball um, or reading the defense. And that was my issue when it got really, really boring watching him play. Um, the interception that he threw, you know, what, what are you thinking on that pass? Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of them earlier, then, you know, I'm not one of the, I'm not, I'm trying not to be too critical of these players, but, you know, you he doesn't, I was watching the game with the Cowboys, my neighbor, he's a Cowboy fan, and we're watching it, and he's like, why does this guy hold on to the ball so long? I'm like, that's his number one thing. Mm-hmm. He holds on to the ball too long, he kept getting hit and hit and hit and hit. It's like, dude, get rid of the ball. Like, it's cool, we get it, you're tough. Get rid of the ball, get it out of there. Um, it, it's, it's just, I don't, if I don't have to see C.J. Beathard play for the Niners again, I'd be very happy. Um, yep. And Nick Mullins, same thing, though, you know, it's not, he's not world-beating, and he plays with a rhythm about him. You know, mm-hmm. he's in rhythm of the offense, and that's the biggest difference between CJ and Nick. Nick plays within rhythm. Um, he knows his limitations, but he plays within the rhythm of the offense so he can get the ball out. He processes things a little bit faster than CJ, and CJ just doesn't, he's, you know, he's just like that old white guy who tries to listen to hip-hop but can't move his hips right, and that's kind of <laughs> how I, what I think of him when I see him play football. He's just the guy with no rhythm. It's just like, what what's going on? Yeah, somebody somebody sent me a tweet last night, and they're like, well, CJ can take a hit, can absolutely take a hit. And I was like, congratulations, you just summed up his entire career. Yeah. Because that's the number one thing people are going to remember about CJ Beathard is that he can take a beating and still pop up and play. Which, you know, it's good. That's, that's, a, that's a fantastic trait to have as a quarterback. But a lot of the hits are self-inflicted because he does not get rid of the ball. And yeah. like you're saying, if you're if you got a neighbor that's a Cowboys fan that doesn't watch the 49ers, and you know the Cowboys and 49ers haven't played a meaningful regular season game in a long time, and if they can take one look at the guy and say like, why is he holding on to the ball too long? He's holding on to the ball too damn long, because yeah. you know if somebody doesn't watch the team, could pick up on that right away. It's it's a very clear thing, and I think there's a lot of people that are going to look at this, um, look at this this box score, and be like, oh, CJ played better than Nick Mullins did. But when you actually watch the game, that's the thing where it's like, no, he didn't. 
Not even close. Mullins no. was Mullins was so much better than Beathard was last night, and, and the box score is going to lie. That's where numbers do lie to you a little bit. Yeah, Mullins may have had a Mullins line would have been better had he not had the ball not been tipped in front of Pettis. That would have been mm-hmm. he would have had a bigger line there, and Pettis had open field after that catch. Um, and then you know with with CJ, you know how do you you underthrow Debo Samuel?s He's not Marquise Goodwin. You know he's not blazing down the sideline. He, you can why how do you underthrow that? Um, and we've seen CJ make some deep passes, and that was just a terrible pass. Mm-hmm. Granted, Debo went up and got it, um, but with it's just the rhythm of the offense. CJ just he doesn't play within the rhythm of the offense, and that's that's the issue. That's the mm-hmm. biggest issue I see. And then of course the processing. So I think this is Nick Mullen's job to lose. Knock on wood, he doesn't you know get injured <laughs> in training camp or anything else. Um, but I think it's going to be Jimmy and Nick going forward, and mm-hmm. maybe we can turn CJ into a trade piece of some sort. It's just the value. Where What is the value of, of CJ Beathard? You know what I mean? I think he comes with a little bit more value than people think. Yeah, he's not great, but he does have 11 starts under his belt. You know, there is there is trade value there, and he's he's not completely miserable. He would be an upgrade at backup for a couple teams. I think maybe a sixth or seventh round pick is all it's going to take because teams aren't going to shell out a high draft pick, even a mid round draft pick, to get him because they figure well the Niners are going to cut him anyway. Yeah. Uh, but if they if they want if they like him and that's their guy they want to go get a sixth or seventh round pick sounds about right. Maybe a future five or something like that, but nothing nothing major coming for C.J. Beathard. But I think that this is Nick Mullen's job to lose. Yeah. And. Um, um... It's, uh, you know, that that's just gonna look. That just makes the perception of the the front office drafting ability look worse. With you know, if CJ gets traded for a, you know a bag of bag of potatoes. You know what I mean? Yeah, it happens to every team, though. I mean, y- yeah. y- you look at third round picks. You're, you're talking about a thirty percent hit rate um, when it comes to really good players. Uh, anyway, but drafting a quarterback in the third round, and I believe they traded up to do it is it's a tough look it's a tough yeah look. and I'll, I'll give i'll give caution in that he did say he didn't have to trade up for him and that was something that john wanted to do he didn't think they would he would be there the next day yeah that's uh, the impatience they, of the front office and that's a young front yeah. office in their first draft where yeah they have their guys and they have their guys circled on their big board and they're gonna go get them but we can move yeah. on from the quarterbacks a little bit and let's jump into a little bit of uh some stock up stock down actually no before we get into that the rookies the drafted rookies outside of Bosa, who was obviously not playing the whole preseason, Debo Samuel, yeah. Jalen Hurd, Bitch and Mitch, Dre Greenlaw, and, Mitch. and a couple other guys played pretty well. You know, I think across the board, I think they they looked like they belonged in the NFL. Yeah, I think every draft pick uh, looked like the yeah, like you said, they belonged. Tim Harris had a near pick at the end of the game. Uh, Caden Smith had a nice reception, got up and. Uh, got some yards after the catch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dre Greenlaw was all or always around the ball. Um, after his one mistake, as far as rushing, roughing the passer, he played fairly well and had the ball not been tipped at the line with Dak Prescott. Possibly would have had an interception. He yeah, it was coming right for him, but Sheldon Day got his hand on it. Yeah, he was breaking right for the ball, so that would have been most likely a pick or you know a, a pass breakup. Um, and of course, Debo and Hurd they they stood out and they stood out. Um, it's been a while since the Niners had some excitement at the wide receiver spot, and I think they hit on these two wide receivers. Yep. Yep. Debo Samuel, I mean, he had that big catch down the sideline where he went up and he got it, and he took a hit, and he held onto the ball all the way to the ground. It was awesome. And then, we, of course, the two touchdowns from Jalen Hurd. So they ran a crossing route for him, and then he just big-bodied his way into the end zone. And, I mean, it was nice to see him run through a couple guys to, to hit pay dirt. And then a fade. I know how much 49ers fans we hit a fade fades out. in the end zone, <laughs> but it wasn't a Michael Crabtree this time. It was a Jalen Hurd, and it was it worked beautifully. I mean, his his length and his his height are just they're going to be a tough matchup in the end zone when they get down there like that. And if that's a play they put in their repertoire and they keep it going, I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm 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 here for that. The the Jalen Hurd, he showed out. He showed more than I thought he was going to show in game one. You know, allowing him to play in the the slot. Um, and at the Z, I believe he was playing. Um, he did show a, a, quite a bit there, and 
you know, going forward, now we got to see it against guys. You know, he's going to go go play Chris Harris Jr. And the guys in Denver, they have a decent secondary. So we're going to see some stuff this week. Hopefully we see a lot of uh, reports out of camp um, mm-hmm. that these guys are holding their own against some better competition um, with the, in Denver. Yeah, the joint practices are going to be fun to watch. They always are. And I like that they go against Denver because Denver's defenses are always really good. And I think it's a and good it's measuring Vic stick. Fangio. And they got Vic Fangio. Man, I love Vic. <laughs> I love Vic Fangio. I wish. Oh, I wanted them to give him the head coaching job when Harbaugh left. Anyway, love Vic Fangio, and I think he's going to bring a really tough defense. And you know, for the offensive tackles, they get to go against guys like Von Miller, Bradley Chubb. You know, the Denver secondary is pretty good. I know we watched Kittle put on a a, a display last year against him when he put up the 210 yards. But yeah, you know, it's still it's still a pretty good defense. Um, I don't think they're going to be a huge challenge for the 49ers defense. The Broncos won't be because Drew Locke apparently isn't ready for the NFL just yet. Joe Flacco doesn't. I mean, he's yeah. Joe Flacco. So you know, I don't <laughs> I don't think they have a ton on the offensive side of the ball that's going to challenge the defense me. too much. Um, they have a pretty decent offensive line, so that the D line will get some good work in. Um, and then, of course, you know they got Royce Freeman and um, Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay. I was trying to remember his name. I could picture him because he looks like the guy from LMFAO. Um, <laughs> With his fro. <laughs> uh, you know, there's good running backs, so that'd be that'd be good work, especially for the linebackers and stuff. Um, but yeah, you know, Mitch Wisnowski, I know we we dogged the pick when it happened, or I dogged it. I, you dogged. I it. dogged the pick. I dogged it. <laughs> And like I said, I'm on board. If everybody if everybody call, agrees to call him Bitch and Mitch, we're in. You know, friend of the pod, Kirk Gauger, he's the one who was like, he, he came up with the nickname. I love it. I'm running with it. All credit to Bitch Kirk. And Mitch. But it's it that's the nickname. He played pretty well. He did. Um, his punts looked pretty good. He had a lot of hang time on him. Uh, he pinned him inside of 20. I think it was it three times? Uh, yeah, three times. Three times. And he had one that just bounced into the end zone. That mm-hmm. it, it, I mean, it was six inches from going out of the one. He looked pretty good, but also he's expected to take over kickoff duties because uh, Pinion did that last year, and he kicked one out of bounds. It's not great. Can't be doing that. Can't yeah. be giving the team the ball at the 40, and he had a little bit of a miscue on the held kick for Robbie Gold where he didn't quite get it down. Um, I'm not sure if the Dallas broadcast had it better, but there wasn't a really good angle on the uh, on the San Francisco side. Um and it's the way the ball came out. They 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 did mention that it was probably held funny. So those are two aspects of the game that are probably new to him for the most part, and that's something he really has to get down. Yeah, he averaged fifty point six yards per punt um, last night, and uh, and he did boot one for sixty four yards. So the kid's got a boot, and then hang time. That's a weapon. Um, yeah, let's see here. Fielded at the four. Fielded at the five. Out of bounds, drive start at forty, and then fielded at the goal line. You know he he's pinning guys um, deep, and they're you know forcing these teams to return the ball or you know allow it to go back to the touchbacks. So that's that's flipping the field. You know, come season time, if the Niners, you know, have their struggles in the beginning of the year, have an issue converting third downs, flipping the field is important, and that's a weapon that helps the defense if they can pin the offense deep in their own territory and then have the defense, you know, pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. That's a big deal. Um, so I, I'm, I was happy with the pick in, in, in March or April, whenever the draft was, I'm happy about the pick now. So, uh, I think the Niners, I think the perception of the front office could change dramatically if all five of these first five picks hit, you know, with Bosa, Debo, mm-hmm. Hurd, uh, Mitch and Greenlaw and Greenlaw looks to be a guy that's going to be, um, going to be pushing for a starting role so i i mm-hmm. i'm pretty happy with this draft class <laughs> so yeah far. the draft class looks good so far and you know that's exactly what you want to see after the first preseason game uh i'm not reading too much into it i'm not sitting here saying these guys are going to be day one starters across the yep. board but you need them to play and you need them to play well in the preseason especially when when they're going up against competition they're going against so now i i mentioned it earlier now let's move into it. we got stock up stock down so give me a player yeah. who who helped their stock last night for you uh, stock up is Jalen Hurd. That is, um, I was, you know, I've been on the whole, put him at tight end, see what, you know, as far as for the depth chart construction going down the road, um, showed he can play wide receiver. Mm-hmm. His routes were pretty good. And the routes that he did run blocking downfield was fairly well from what I've seen. I didn't get to watch the, all of the all 22 afterwards. Um, 
but the the blocking was pretty good. Um, two touchdowns, you can't you can't beat that. Mm-hmm. And fade around the you know the end of the game or close to the end of the game was a big deal. That's the kind of offense I want to see. You know, we get in get in the scoring position, you score in the red zone. No more field goals. Get a mm-hmm. touchdown. Um, you know, Debo gets you into red zone territory and let her take over. You know what I mean? Or you know, since when the season comes, George Kittle um, or Hurd. But that's the kind of offense I wanted to see. But that fade route reception um, was a big deal to me. We haven't seen one of those in a while. Mm-hmm. And then the first touchdown where he just, you know, he, he forces his way in there. The Niners needed some toughness, and they got it uh, with Debo and Hurd. And stock up is on Hurd. Yeah, I'm, an, I'm starting the other side of the ball. And my stock up is Emmanuel Mosley. He started at the nickel corner, his slot corner, and he played really well throughout the game. He made a couple plays, a lot of tackles, um, a lot of open field tackles, which is huge. And you know, you know, your corners need to be able to tackle because teams are. It's you know, it's like the Madden cliche. It's a space game now, where it's just get your get the get the ball and your playmakers in space. So open field tackles are huge, and it's something that needs to happen. Emmanuel Mosley played really well last night. Um, he's my big stock up, only because we've already touched on Drake Greenlaw so much. Who obviously yeah. <laughs> obviously really helped his stock, but we don't need to we don't need to pound that in the ground. So Emmanuel Mosley for me was a stock up. Give me a stock down. Um, stock down the 49ers offensive line depth. Mm. That I would just categorize the whole group. I you know you really can't pick out one player on the O line. They all struggled, um, and that is a concern. We talked about this on the show before. The O line depth is concerning. Um, now you you lose Sean Coleman, so yes. All-line depth is more concerning. All those pressures, uh, TFLs they allowed, um, that's that's a big deal. The Niners can't afford to to lose any of their starting five offensive linemen. Um, now, Ben Garland becomes very important going forward, too, if Richburg isn't healthy and ready to go come week one because he's been taking most of the snaps at center. Um, Josh Garnett's finger injury is a big deal now. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he can get back and... Uh, contribute at some level um, for the Niners, or just be available in a pinch, or just in case something goes something happens with Person or Lakin um, at the guard spots. And then with Niners have to get a swing tackle, and there's a guy out there. I posted it earlier. Um, he wasn't a he was he played under uh, Shanahan in Atlanta. Uh, Ryan Schrader, uh, he's a tackle. Um, he was released by the Falcons earlier this year. He hasn't been picked up just yet. I don't know what's going on with him, but it is, it is a name to watch for going forward as far as guys coming in for a workout or possible uh, free agent signing coming up. Cool. Something to watch for, man. Um, a stock down for me, David Mayo. Man, yeah. did he look lost on defense. Uh, special teams ace coming over from Carolina, so you know, you're know you not really expecting a whole lot from him. But he did you know step in and start in place of Luke Keekley a couple times. But, oh, boy, did he look completely lost in pass coverage. I mean, it was bad. He couldn't get deep enough on his on his zones, and he was continually biting on play action, uh, like, really hard. I know Dre Greenlaw bit a couple times, uh, but not nearly as hard as, as David Mayo did. And I really hope that the 49ers are not going to see David Mayo at the middle linebacker spot at all this year. Because, um, man, he's a special teams player, and that's about it. He's just not a good night for a Mayo. Not a good no, night. not at all. Um, stock, stock down for me now too as well as Marcel Harris. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's another guy. Um, he's most likely a special teams body. Too many bad angles yesterday. Um, yes, we understand he's a thumper. Big hits they 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 come with him, but too many bad angles on run plays. Uh, even he got lost in coverage a couple times. That's not good. We we need that from our safety position, and. In general, Mike, you know, at this point, I'm concerned about the safety spot. So we'll talk about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to just kind of add on to that with you. Um, Marcel Harris is a very boom or bust player. Yeah. And last night he was much more bust than he was boom. And, you know, I, I said something to that effect last night and I had a bunch of people coming at me like, oh, but he's made some tackles. Okay. What about the other, like, he makes three tackles. That's all anybody seems to remember about Marcel Harris because he hits big and hits hard. And everybody, like, latches on to those tackles and those hits and, like, just completely ignores everything else he does. Um, yeah. He's a stock down guy for me, too. Uh, to shift back over to stock up, what you got for me? Stock up, Debo Samuels. Boom. Debo, 
Debo goes up. He 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 showed his versatility on the offense. He lined up at two different wide receiver spots. He took a ball on a jet sweep. Um, well, oh, that was a beautiful. jet sweep, but an end around, excuse me, mm-hmm. for 14 yards. If he had a little bit better blocking, he probably took that to the house. Uh, the deep pass he gets behind Mike Jackson of uh, of Dallas, former. I think he was like a six round pick from Miami. Uh, he hit him with a stutter step, and you know had two or three yards on him. If if CJ hits him in stride, that's that's a house. He's taking it to the house. Mm-hmm. Um, Debo is as advertised, tough, physical, uh, goes up and gets it, strong hands, and is a willing blocker as well in the run game. So uh, Debo stock all the way up on Debo. <laughs> yeah, big time. Um, stock up guy for me. I'm gonna butcher this name, and I feel really bad, so I apologize. But it's Aziz Al Shair. Oh, you took my next one. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. So he played really well. Um, you know, he blew up that little uh, little swing pass um, and had the whole team, <laughs> basically had the whole defense running down the sideline. Quan oh, yeah. Alexander, Fred Warner leading the charge in their, in their sweats and stuff. Um, but he played really well. And, and, you know, this goes in comparison to David Mayo. That it looked night and day for mm-hmm. those two players. And, uh, you know, Al Shair, is that my saying that right? I think you are. Okay. Cool. I'm, Aziz, it's Aziz the first name, and then I'll show you. Yeah. I'm going to go with Aziz. Florida I can Atlantic. say Aziz. So Aziz, Aziz is playing really well. And, uh, you know, he's an undrafted guy out of Florida Atlantic, and he had like 140-some tackles last year. He's a tackle machine, and he could be one of the guys that we just completely overlooked on our 53-man that takes like somebody's spot like David Mayo or takes a Mark Nzacha spot where, you know, if, if he continues to play – at the level he played last night, he'll be he'll be pretty good. Yeah. Well, with Aziz, I had him on my practice squad, but now to uh, touch on a potential stock down would be Malcolm Smith because of Aziz. Yeah. Go younger, go faster, have mm-hmm. that ability there. Um, but just to touch on a stock up guy, Austin Austin Walter, the running back mm-hmm. from Rice, that kid got some wheels. Yeah, he can move. Um, had we had obviously our starting offensive line out there, there was a lot of room for potential home run run plays out there yesterday. Um, the offensive line struggled, like I said, blocking, and that was part of my stock down. But considering um, considering the circumstances, Austin Walter played fairly well, um, and even that kid Wilds. But I doubt he makes the team. But Austin Walter might make the team here. Some news that just came out now is um, just thought I'd throw this in here. Jet McKinnon may is a candidate to start the season on IR. So exactly what we were talking about. Yeah. Boom. So head of the game again. We're just ahead of the game. That was uh, Matt Barrows. <clears throat> Matt Barrows just touched on that. Um, Jet McKinnon may start on IR. Not super that surprising. Was a big deal. You know, bring him yeah. back, fresh legs after week six. You know, you're still looking at Braden McKinnon. And and Mostert, who who was the starter last night, he didn't look world, you know, he didn't look great, but he didn't look terrible. Um, we know what we have, you know, the 49ers know what they have with Mostert, and and they know what they have with Breda, and Shanahan's very comfortable with Coleman, so not super surprising to hear McKinnon might not play until week six. Yeah, and that was his, uh, just as a correction, that'll be that was he projected that uh, McKinnon would start on IR. Matt, Bar- Matt Barrows doesn't just say stuff just to say it half the, most of the time, so I would, uh, you know, lean lean heavier on him being correct about that going forward. Um, so that that makes you know that makes the third running back spot um, a competition um, where they just decide, or that makes their job easier going forward uh, with roster construction too. They can just go ahead and carry the three running backs of Mostert, Coleman, and uh, Breida, and then have Juice as their fullback, and then when when and if uh, Jet is cleared, uh, then you can make your corresponding um, roster cut or roster fix. Yeah, and that opens it up for guys like Richie James, guys like Jordan Matthews, you yep. know, these positions that were kind of crowded already. Uh, Julian Taylor, who played pretty well last night, um, mm-hmm. and just he was manhandling guards left and right. Um, you know, the defensive line, offensive line, it all you, you got an extra spot to play with if McKinnon goes on IR to start the season, and that, that could be a big benefit for for the 49ers. Yeah. One last uh, stock up for me, though, I'm going to just throw it out here, is uh, the 49ers' <clears throat> defensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, the Cowboys didn't get to run, didn't get very many holes to run. Um, 
they had, let's see here, 18 rush attempts and under under 50 yards, under 55 yards rushing. That's, uh, that's a big deal. It's like three you yards know. to carry. It's not good. Yeah. Contavious Street, Julian Taylor, Sheldon Day, DJ Jones. These guys are plugging holes, um, not allowing much space, and that's, that's a good sign. Um, considering, you know, Buckner, Armstead, Solomon, D4, Bosa, they didn't play yesterday. So you're getting your second your second team defensive line, you know, held their own against uh, a couple of the Dallas Cowboys starting offensive linemen, and that's mm-hmm. a big deal. Um, Mike Weber had one really big run, but that was, you know, he, he spun out of a tackle, and he, he had got some extra yards that way. But the rest of it was always somebody's in the backfield hitting the running back, and that's what we need to keep this run, run defense going. I remember PFF said the Niners may have the worst run defense in the league. Um, they did show out a little bit yesterday with their backups uh, against some first-team uh, Cowboys uh, offensive linemen, which is kind of a big deal because, you know, the, the story on the Cowboys offensive line is they've been the number one offensive line for years. And I strongly disagree with that, but, <laughs> you know, you let people let perception take over. So, Yeah, no, guys like Julian Taylor and Contavious Street were just manhandling guards. And, you know, that's something, especially once you get into the second, third, and fourth quarters of these early preseason games, that's what you need to see. You need to see these guys, like, just dominating lower competition because that's what they are. I know Julian Taylor was a seventh-round pick, you know, last year. He doesn't come in with a high draft pedigree or anything. But last year he he balled out in the preseason. And, you know, that's what you want to see again. So it's nice to see some of these guys, especially Kentavia Street coming in, you know, after a redshirt year. You know, they got to push these guys for roster spots. And, and Sheldon Day, you know, He's the shortest defensive lineman they have, but he was batting down a pass. Um, DJ Jones looked really good. DJ Jones also looked really good in his Steve Young jersey. That was it's an elite fire. jersey. That was fire. <laughs> it was so good looking. He wore it coming in. You sent me the picture, and then you know he wore it in the post game press conferences too. Absolutely fire. Love it, DJ. DJ's a G for that. It's a beautiful jersey. Um, and then you know we with our stock up, stock down. Um. That pretty much would cover it. You know, the other things that noticed on this uh, the game yesterday was just the issues with with the safeties. I'm I'm still not I, I I guess I guess I'm not convinced on Tavares Moore just yet. And is Jimmy Ward our best safety on the roster? And that's part of why we kept him. Um, you know, that's yet to be seen. If Jimmy can Jimmy's projected to be back this week mm-hmm. uh, for practice in, in Denver. You know, is it is it that noticeably different with Jimmy Ward at free safety as opposed to Tavarius Moore? That that's something to keep an eye on going forward. What did you think of Tavarius Moore yesterday? I you know, I thought he played all right. I don't think he was super great. I didn't think he was super terrible. Um, you know, it's his first game playing safety since college. So, you know, it's it's all about getting reps and he got a lot of them. Uh he 70, had 70 snaps. Um and a lot of that is because Adrian Colbert was ejected. Um, after a hit, which I want to touch on real fast. Mm-hmm. Um, Adrian Colbert is kind of fighting for a roster spot right now. And that was a bad call. It, now, you want to flag in front of Roughness, I get it. That's fine. He did not warrant being ejected. And that is something that the NFL needs to make reviewable because that cost him some very important snaps um, and some game action that he, that Adrian Colbert really needed. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, I talked to him after the game and I said, you know, I, I didn't believe he, he should have been ejected and stuff. And he said it, it broke his heart that he was ejected. So, you know, I think he's got, he got the passion still, um, man, you hate to see it because he really did need those snaps to, to help him make this team. Um, but back to Tarverius Moore, you know, he played pretty well, not great. I, I want to see a little bit more, um, ranginess from him i guess sometimes it felt like he got his feet planted a little bit and was just kind of stationary in the secondary and with someone with his elite athleticism that's not what you want to see um i don't know where, where, where are you sitting with him i'm in the middle you know I, I wasn't super impressed or super um let down about it i thought he i thought he moved rather good but you know he had his moments where he looked like his feet were stuck in the mud and didn't you know mm-hmm. react fast enough um I have to watch it again. I, I recorded it, and then I have the the all twenty two. I look at it and see if, you know the coaches tape, see different angles of where he's playing. Um, but I think I think it's Jimmy Ward's spot to lose, mm-hmm. and that's going to come with practice or an injury. And we can say that with with 
Jimmy Ward because he's always he's always been injured. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, by week four or five in practice that Tavares Moore takes over the spot for Jimmy Ward because you see that there's flashes there with, with Tavares Moore, and um, I would like to see it. You know, he's kind of the prototype safety out back there. He's a little bit longer, faster. Mm-hmm. Um, he does come with a thump. He, he, he did put some... He did lay the wood yesterday a little bit, mm-hmm. um, so I, I, I'm hoping for good things with Tavares Moore. Um, as far as Adrian Colbert goes, you know, I, I, I'm gonna lean. He, he makes this roster. I think he has the flexibility to play strong safety and free. So that's where Marcel Harris may not make the squad. He just, you know, he just rolled the ward more Tart and Colbert that way, in my personal opinion. Yeah, the safeties in general just didn't play. Concerning. All that well. I mean, I know we've already touched on you know Marcel Harris and, and Adrian Colbert and Tervis Moore, um, but no one, no one played out there and was like that guy stood out. Like there yeah. were guys that stood out on this defense yesterday, and the safeties were not them, except for Marcel Harris in a particularly bad way, and Colbert obviously for getting ejected. Um, yeah, but yeah. So man, I think this is the I think this is the move that comes back to 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 bite the team in the ass. And it's it's not addressing the safety position because there was so much oh so many free agent talents out there. Yeah. For the safety I mean, there's position. One, and there's like there's one left out there and that's Eric Berry, and I don't think the Niners are gonna chase that. So Nope. Yeah, because Trey Boston signed with Carolina uh was it last week, maybe two weeks ago. Um I don't think they go after Eric Berry. Uh I don't think he fits the physical profile for him at this point. You know, and I know everybody wants to go out and sign these players because they're big names, thinking it's Madden, and you can just build your roster however you want. It's not necessarily how it works, and I don't see uh, Eric Berry being a good fit. Yeah, no, there's – and, you know, the the pickings are slim. You know, the Corey Graham, he may be available, Mike Mitchell, but those guys are a little bit older. Um, there's just – there's not the, – the it's slim pickings um, when it comes to safeties. You know, it's something that may have to come from a trade. Um, and, you know, there's, there's something I want to touch on um, it, with the wide receiver group real quick. John Middlecoff has been hinting at Marquis Goodwin may not be on this team. Is Are we are we of the thinking that he could be a trade piece right now? I think so. I mean, I really do. And I think it all comes back down to what I was saying, you know, a couple weeks ago. Um and it's this Olympics thing. And I don't think football is Marquise Goodwin's one true passion. Yeah. Has. Um, and I think the team kind of realizes this is going to be his last year in San Francisco, regardless, just because I don't think they're going to let him go do Olympic stuff during training camp. I don't think they do. I think they tell him, like, if you want to go to the Olympics, that's fine. We're going to release you. Now, the way the 49ers have a track record and stuff, they'll probably still honor the contract because good guy 49ers. But – you know, it's man, it's it's tough. It's tough. I, I think he could be traded. Um, there's a lot of wide receiver needy teams out there. Um that and his speed's undeniable, so it's it's a it's a it's a skill that everybody wants to have in their wide receiving core. Um and if they wanna go young and they wanna you know, they wanna keep Richie James, they wanna keep Jalen Hurd, Debo Samuel, and then Jordan Matthews, who's still actually relatively young. I think he's only 26. Yeah. Um, you know, they want to go young at the wide receiver group. I think Goodwin is the lo- most likely to be moved. Yeah, that, I mean, that's fair because then you can, I, you know, if I'm if I'm the Niners, I'm moving him for a pick or see if someone's got a backup guard that they want to get, you know, mm-hmm. they, they're they they're willing to part with. Uh, but I just want to touch on that. Sorry for going off, off topic. but You're good. You're that good. Was I actually that came love on. player, player trades. Player player for player swaps are my favorite just because it's like fantasy football. And it's like two teams actually helping each other <laughs> in need positions instead of just like, oh, we'll give you a pick for them that you can use at a later time. I like player for player trades. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. It doesn't happen very often um, just because the NFL doesn't trade like other sports do. So it's, yeah. just, it's just not the same. Um, and, and, you know, usually it is draft picks involved in trades. Um yeah, I think he has uh, a potential to be moved. And uh, Middlecoff is another guy who's pretty well plugged in. Um, sometimes he's wildly off base, and then other times he's sitting there holding receipts. So Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's a 50-50 shot with him. Uh, but I, I tend to agree with Middlecoff on this one. I'll give him that with his player movement stuff. But when it comes to, like, his 
football takes are a little wild. He he did call the Cleo Mack thing almost like six months prior to it happening, so I'll, I'll give him that one. Um, but you know, it's uh, it's only game one. I don't. There's not much to take from it, although we you know we got 45 minutes worth of conversation out of it. But as far <laughs> when it really when you really break it down, the offensive line, the guys that we saw, it is concerning. Um, but hopefully we don't have to see those guys. But, you know, my biggest concern is the center and the guard spot. Mm-hmm. Um, the safeties, I think we, we got the four already on the roster. They just need to keep getting the reps, getting the reps. Uh, the corners, we didn't have any issues with the corners. Dante Johnson's not making this team anyway, so there's not an issue there. Um, the running backs, where the hell is Kyle keep finding these guys? That's for one. <laughs> it's a Shanahan family thing because Shanahan used to do it. He used to take guys off the trash heap and like undrafted or seventh rounders and turn them into thousand yard rushers every year. Every uh, year, he's incredible. Wilds, the the running back number thirty five last night. Wilds, he was signed like the day of the game, and he mm-hmm. was putting up some big runs. Um, you know, that's that's pretty it's pretty dope how that's happening there, and you know it you you can kind of tell who's making this team already. You know, there was 31 guys not playing, a couple of them because of injury, but, you know, probably 28 of those 31 are going to make the roster. And then, of course, you know, you got Pettis, you got Akello, Tavares Moore, um, Dre Greenlaw. Those guys are going to make this team. So I think the roster is probably about 46 or 47 guys already done right right now. I think mm-hmm. they know who's making the roster right now. Um, it's just a matter of who's going to show out in the next three games to push for a spot and hopefully – you know, God willing, there's no extra, you know, other injuries that come up, anything crazy um, going forward. So that, you know, I think I think the Niners know what they have already, and I, I, that's probably part of why Kyle is like, I don't need preseason games. Just give me, just give me team, uh, the uh, joint practices, and I'll mm-hmm. be good to go. And that's I think I think they're gonna end up leaning towards that. It's just, an, you know, I think I think the NFL should should just do that, um, cut the preseason to two games. Um, and have them be later, you know, in the preseason, have them be later in the preseason, and then just go to a 16-game schedule with two bye weeks. Keep the guys fresh, and uh, you get a better product. People want a better product. So that's just just the thought I had right then. Yeah, the NFL's never going to limit the preseason because it's a shameless cash grab because it's it's two home games for every team, full-price tickets, full-price beers, full-price parking, full-price <laughs> chicken nuggets, you know, it's it's money, and that's what that's what speaks volumes. So whether the product is inferior or not, people go to preseason games. Yeah, you know they get to charge season ticket holders for those two extra games. So you know it's it's money, and it'd probably never change. I, I wish they would just get rid of preseason games entirely, and just do like six joint practices. Yeah, with other teams, and, and that's all it is. Because I think the coaches get more evaluation out of that anyway. Yeah, um, definitely. Because you get one on ones, you get, you get everything. You get everything yep. that you need. So, it's in a controlled environment. You can call plays dead right away. You know, there's just there's less chaos to it, I guess. Um, but sure. it, it'll it's probably never going to change. I'm huge on the the two bye weeks as well. Um, all four resting players. I don't want to do an 18 game schedule. I don't want. Oh, I don't want any of the other stuff. But no. you know, it'll probably never change. All right, NFL. Money, money, money. <laughs> money, um, money, money. And you think with money, 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 they'd have better color commentating going on. I uh, got oh, the I got man. the local feed here in Texas, and uh, I get it. They're supposed to be biased to their Cowboys, which is perfectly fine. Understood. But they were pretty awful. Um, I've heard some negative things about our own Niner uh, color commentary. You want to elaborate on that because you caught that feed. Yeah, I did. I, I was I was watching the feed on my on my laptop because I uh, uh, I don't get NFL Network here because the cable is ridiculous and I want to charge like an extra eight hundred bucks for NFL Network or something. I don't know. I'm not paying for it anyway. Greg Papa and Tim Ryan were calling the game last night, um, and oh man, it was bad. Greg Papa sounded bored and like he didn't know play. He, he called uh, DJ Reed, JJ Reed. Um, he said Debo Samuel scored a touchdown when it was very clearly Jalen Hurd. Uh, he just, oh man, he did not sound, he did not sound like he was interested at all. Yeah. And I understand it's the first preseason game. Most of these guys aren't going to be on the roster week one, but try. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> try. Um, and then Tim Ryan sounds like he read a book of football idioms and then just puked it all back out. 
because he was just a cliche machine nonstop. One yard at a time, one play at a time. Just, uh, man, I miss Ted Robinson. Yeah, I, uh, I, w- I, don't, I don't understand the move. I mean, I get it. You know, Greg Papa's like the big name in, in the Bay Area, but um, Ted Ted has called some pretty pretty uh, pretty important games in recent history, and he's done fairly well at them. You know, take the stick, the catch three. You know, Caps pa- play Packers uh, playoff game. You know, I think, and he called it with some passion, and I think that's what most fans want to hear is passion out of their color commentators, um, and uh, that's. It, it, watching or rewatching some of the game yesterday, I caught some of Greg Papa's calls, and they uh, they didn't do it for me. <laughs> no, he's just so bored, man. I hope, I hope, you know. Again, and this is this is we talked about. It's it's a warm up game for the players. It's a warm up game for the refs. Hopefully, it's a warm up game for Greg Papa and Tim Ryan. And Tim Ryan got all the cliches out in one game. Yeah, he's like playing the meow game. Like, how many cliches can I say in one <laughs> broadcast? Um, but hopefully, they get they get past it. Um, Actually, the best part of the broadcast was John Lynch coming in. So yeah. John Lynch comes in and, and well, he breaks the Trent Taylor news, which is not great. Sent everybody into a tizzy. Um, but he just sounds so natural in the booth. And John's just good on the mic. Know, he's good on the he's, mic. He's never he's never met a camera he didn't love. Definitely. So not. you know it's he's never he's never been part of a photo opportunity he, that he doesn't want to be front and center of. Definitely. Um, but he was good in the he was good to have him in the booth and hear his voice again. Um, cause I got used to that on Fox for a long time. Yeah. But yeah, let's hope the broadcast gets better cause, uh, yeah, here's hoping everything gets better. Let's hope Nick Mullen plays better. <laughs> let's hope Dante Pettis plays a little better. Let's hope Debo and Hurd stay healthy and continue to prosper. Um, that should cover for this week. The Niners mm-hmm. go to Denver, um, for joint practices. We are hopefully getting a guest for this week. We'll let you know on that. We'll keep you guys posted on that. Um, mm-hmm. But with us, we'll be back next weekend to review the Broncos game. Let us know what you thought about the Cowboys and Niners game. I've seen a lot of comments. We've been talking all day. But the more you watch, the more you'll get out of the game. Um, Anything of concern or um, anything you want to talk about, we are here to do so. Um, You know who who we are. I'm Javier. That's Matt. You can follow me on Twitter at JavierVague underscore. And you can follow Matt. At MattBar underscore. And then just follow the podcast at 4th and Gold Podcast. Check out the podcast on all streaming platforms, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, where podcasts are found. Um, But until then, we'll see you next week. Peace.